With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Club to you too, over there. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. <laughs> 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 We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, kapusta, kumpi, pierogi, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Shamash, everybody, this is Jacob Karowski coming to you live from Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, just uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers. News, notes, discussion, and it is a very nice uh, Wednesday night, a little cool, obviously, getting down to December. I've talked to you guys for a couple of weeks. Hope you guys Thanksgiving went well. Uh, right now, the Wisconsin Badgers are in a uh, dead heat. And uh, looking at right now, uh, let's see, Syracuse Orange. And uh, we'll see if the Badgers can pick, uh, can pick that out, if they can grab that lead. Uh, and obviously in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And like I said, I'm Jacob Kurowski. Uh, thanks for joining I was waiting for the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski to jump on board, and uh, it should be a good time. We're going to talk, obviously, we're going to preview the Green Bay Packers and your uh, yeah, Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. We'll also talk some Wisconsin Badgers football, some Big Ten honors, uh, and, and that's uh, from uh, two former walk-ons, first-team All-Americans there, uh, but you're also looking at the fact that uh, you have some other honors there, uh, and Maybe, you know, should, should Michael Caputo and Vince Beagle been higher up than what they were? Uh, we'll take a look at that. So, uh, you know, since we're waiting for Scotty, uh, let's talk real quick about this. Let's talk about, uh, if you saw Bucky's quarter, of course, check us out there for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and discussion. You had the fact that Alex Erickson yesterday, on Tuesday, was named the big, for the first team All-Big Ten selection as a wide receiver on, by the media second team by the coaches, uh, and then also Joe Schobert on Monday named for consensus first team all Big Ten, and also won the Butt Kiss Fitzgerald Award for the best linebacker of the year, uh, and both are former walk-ons, obviously it's a great, great accomplishment for both, and uh, you know, and then all on top of that, you also had 12, uh, 10 others that were named to the all Big Ten honors as well, so uh, despite uh, losing two games, which really, really could have won yeah, they're one play away on each game from being 11-1, and one, uh, which is uh, something we'll discuss a little later about the season. But uh, still a successful season, I'd say, uh, though you literally are two plays away from being 11-1. and one. But before we uh, do that, we're going to talk some Packers. We've got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, uh, and uh, out this new computer that I have over here. Hopefully he can hear me. Scotty, how you doing, brother? How was your Thanksgiving? Hey, it was great. Well, well, it was okay. I mean, we had some issues, but it was a great day. Uh, you are really quiet, though. I don't know if you're aware of that, but um, I am not. Let me let me let me test this out a little bit. Don't mind me. Yeah, we are. On yeah, no. So, uh, I'm testing this out. Uh, any better? Any better, brother? A little bit, sure, sure. That sounds good. Okay, so before we get into anything, because I know we're going to talk. I, you know, this is. This could very well be a very dismal next four or five months for sports, and I'll tell you why. Um, Packers, better if they don't figure things out, could be one and done if they make the playoffs. The Badgers could have had a, a New Year's Day bowl, but they lost the game to Northwestern. They had no business losing uh, and probably actually won. 
they lost the game to Iowa that they had won. And you can imagine if it was only one loss, they'd be, they'd be playing for a Big Ten championship because they'd be undefeated in conference. So they went from having a major, major bowl to, eh, I don't know, maybe the Holiday Bowl. The Badgers basketball team's going to struggle. Marquette's struggling. The Bucks have struggled out of the gate, and the Brewers are going to be abysmal. It could be some dark days ahead for us uh, in, in Wisconsin, in our home base here, for those of you listening that aren't from Wisconsin. So just to, you know, hopefully it's a nice warm winter so people can get out of the house and enjoy enjoy themselves because there might not be a lot to cheer for, so to speak. Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. And yeah, it's, uh, given our eldest, who will be turning four, his uh, goodnight kiss and, uh, and whatnot. But, yeah, no, that you're looking at... Uh, right now, in, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, uh, not to obviously we're not going play by play at all, but you're looking at the fact that the Badgers right now are supposed to get the last shot tied at 53 uh, with with a few seconds left, uh, with just maybe about 10, 12 seconds left. If the Badgers can somehow pull off a, a victory, and, and you mentioned it too, the, the Badgers have been struggling on basketball. Obviously, they shot only 23.5% from the field on. You looked at on what was it on Sunday uh, in their uh, loss to Oklahoma, their 18-point defeat. Uh, not a not a good way, obviously, to start it off. Uh, you know, start off. Uh, you know, some, some con- non-conference players, some big-time non-conference play. Uh, as yeah. Gonna, you know, but they, you know, they're bouncing back. They're playing well against Syracuse, ranked number 14 in the nation. Um, and just uh, while my computer decides to fizzle out, because you gotta love Nick technology. I can't get a score update, but you know they've played well. They've played tougher. They're playing against that 2-3 zone that Jim Beheim likes to play. But no, it, it's going to be erupt. I mean, obviously, and, and maybe you know, you know, he talks about the Badgers. We'll talk a little bit later with them about just that the season so far and, and, and how you think of it and, and their bowl prospects. Well, I, think, is, I think they're be- I think they're better than they played. The shooting concerns me. They're young and they lost some. I mean, gosh, they lost some some big time players. I understand that. And I didn't expect them to, to be a Final Four team or even a Sweet 16 team, but I, I do expect them to be a little better than they've played. Uh, but we'll get into that. Let's. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start pack? Which abysmal? We want to talk about the abysmal loss on Thanksgiving or the nice win that Minnesota, that Wisconsin against Minnesota, though they had to do it without Corey Clement, which. Again, just another one of those side stories to what what hasn't been a great year, and again, it, I, realistically, and I hate to play woulda coulda, you know that, but two plays, man, like two plays away from playing in a Big Ten championship game. Right. Let's let's talk some Packers first. It's a little bit more prevalent. You're looking at the fact that we can recap some of the Badger Syracuse game uh, right after that too for the basketball. So let's, let's talk a little bit Packers. Obviously, it's a day away. You're looking at uh, a, you're. The Packers are facing a a team that obviously is now what won three in a row, and, and uh, they look pretty impressive again against the Eagles on Thanksgiving. Uh, then again, who hasn't looked well against the Eagles this year, unfortunately? And uh, so we have yeah, friends of the show, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. Though uh, we have some friends of the show, and Chris Maragos and, and Bo Allen from uh, former Wisconsin Badgers that we've had a chance to speak with on the show. So uh, we you know we hope that they uh, you know hope things turn around there though. Yeah, obviously rumors are swirling uh, regarding uh, good old uh, you know, Chip Kelly and where he'll go. But you're looking at the fact that, uh, you know, it's uh, where do you know, you've heard talk. I think most many people have had like a full week to digest the loss. And you've heard it too, Scotty, on sports radio, uh, regardless of what station. But uh, what's what, in your opinion, is ailing the Packers? And obviously this, you're looking at their offensive end in all likelihood because the defense has held their part. They haven't been great. But then again, you don't need to be have a, a great, necessarily a great defense when you're supposed to have Aaron Rodgers, man, in your offense. Well, yep, yep, yes, yes, and no. Like the last two weeks, the defense has, has been actually the last three weeks, the defense has been better. Going back to the Detroit game, the defense has been decent. But there was a stretch in there, including the Denver game, uh, where they absolutely got destroyed. Uh, so I mean, you know, there was a three-game stretch where they were god awful. Uh, that didn't help. But I'm not going to put any of this on the defense. Um, there's obviously problems offensively. And the the most glaring one to me is that wide receiver, uh, the lack of development to the next level by Devontae Adams, the injuries to Ty Montgomery and Jared Abaderis, who have, I think, 
you know, could have had a golden opportunity to step up the way uh, Adams has played. James Jones hasn't been in sync the last few weeks. Maybe that's a product of him being an older receiver. He came out of the gate hot, but, you know, with some of the other injuries, he's been called on to be a primary target, and maybe that's not his cup of tea anymore. Uh, Lacey uh, had a good game, and then last week had a fumble, a huge fumble that found him on the bench and, and it hurt them. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been out of sync, but again, it just seems like he it seems like he's more out of sync with Devontae Adams than anybody. And and they both have to take some of the blame on that. I'm not giving Rodgers a pass, but it's funny because you look at the completion percentage when he's tried to go to Adams, it hasn't been really good. And it's not just the drops. I mean, you can blame Adams on the drops, but how many times have we seen in the last four weeks where Adams goes right and Rodgers goes left or vice versa? So they're, they're clearly not in sync. The other thing I think we've seen with this offense, and I like him a lot, and I've always been a fan of his, and I think he plays hard and he's a, he's a really good in the slot, but I think we found that Randall Cobb's not a number one receiver because of his size, and he is a great in the slot, but when he's getting the extra focus with Jordy Nelson not being there, they know he's the second most talented receiver in the bunch, it's been, a, it's been tough sledding for him. So... I think that that's one thing we can definitely say that this whole thing has proved is that uh, he's not a number one receiver. He, he's a great slot receiver. He's a great number two. He's a guy who can do a lot of things out of the backfield, a la Tavon Austin and Percy Hart. Like He's great at what his role is. But to be the guy who draws double teams and try to fight through that, that's that's not him. And the other problem, which we knew about, and again, we talked about it a couple weeks ago with Wes, we talked about Vernon Davis. No production really out of the tight end position. None. You know, I, I think Richard Rodgers is a is an average NFL player. I think he's going to play in this league for a while. He may grow a little bit more as far as his role with the offense, and he may improve as time goes. But they don't have that threat. Now, a lot of but look, not everybody has a Gronkowski. Not everybody has a Gates. Not everybody has a Tyler Eifert. But can he beat Kyle Rudolph, for crying out loud? Can he beat Martellus Bennett? Those are good NFL tight ends. They're not the Gronks of the world or the Greg Olsons, but they're good. Can he be that? Because that's what they need. They don't. It's going to be hard to find a matchup freak like Jermichael Finley was, but they're going to have to get better production out of that position than they're getting right now. So... That because of that, and then I still think the offensive line is just banged up. They're all playing hurt, and you've seen it. Now, the biggest criticism I've had on Rodgers isn't that he's been out of sync with his receivers. It's that he hasn't run when he's had open chances to run. He's held on to the ball longer than he has, and he's taken more hits. Only half of that is on the offensive line. The other half is on him. How many times did they block for five or six seconds, and he had time to escape the pocket, and he didn't? And so then you would start asking the question, you know about the shoulder that he, that came out a couple of weeks ago, but is there some injuries there that nobody's talking about or that, that he's hiding or that he's masking, that he's afraid to take off and maybe it doesn't want to take a hit? I think it's a blip in the radar screen. I think next year over the offseason he'll be fine, I think. But if he's starting to get worried about taking hits already and that's why he's not escaping the pocket, that doesn't bode well for his long-term future of wanting to play another six, seven, eight years at a high level. Again, I don't want to. I'm not pressing the panic button. I'm just saying, if if he's not hurt and he's just electing to not run because he doesn't want to take those hits, is he already starting to hear ghosts? Is he hearing footsteps? Is he? Uh, who knows? But it's all of it's been out of sync. Maybe it's the play calling. Maybe they need a real offensive coordinator. Uh, maybe they, they need to do, put some little wrinkles in this offense. Maybe they need to not be in the shotgun all, as much as they are. Because I watched Denver, and I watched Brock Osweiler be successful doing things that Denver hadn't done with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's been in the pistol like 70% of the snaps or the shotgun. And essentially because he's a great quarterback or was a great quarterback, he's at the end of his career now, with Osweiler, there's still the play action. There's still the threat of the run. They still use the run to set up the pass when they need to. 
Maybe they just need some new formations. I don't know. I think no matter what, if they don't go far in the playoffs, there will be some changes on his coaching staff, and it'll probably include bringing in an offense, a, a different offensive coordinator slash play call. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at uh, with that. I mean, obviously with Rodgers and seeing what he's doing, uh, you, know, you notice a little bit more out of the pistol with some of the runs they've had. I mean, it, it, they've gotten Lacy going it, but it's just it's I, I don't know what. It's hard to prescribe what exactly is going on. I mean, they're talking. I mean, there's been talks about preparation. Like Chris Collinsworth mentioned, of some sort of all players meeting that Aaron Rodgers refuted last week or the, earlier this week, talking about how they're. Uh, how do they describe it, Scott? They basically, he said that the mental preparation. So maybe their heads aren't in the game. But then again, he's pointing the finger to himself as well. Uh, you know what's what's going on. But you know, you look at some. You I even watched you know some Twitter and you see some of. Uh, like Aaron Nagler from Cheesehead TV talking about some of the throws. And, and, you know, there's a throw to Devontae Adams that's wide open. And not, Now, granted, every quarterback's not going to get the right throw all the time. But this is Aaron Rodgers, right? This is supposed to be the MVP, mm-hmm. the, you know, continual MVP of the year. And he just flat out missed him. It could have gone for a long game. It was a nice in pattern. Had Devontae Adams wide open, and he throws it in the dirt. Uh, he almost one-hopped him. And you kind of stare and just like, what exactly is going on? Uh, you know, like, is there, a, you know, they talked about the shoulder injury that he was listed to have. He had, uh, you know, is there something wrong with that? Is it, I mean, you've seen him pull on his hamstring a little bit. Uh, he hasn't really fully, I mean, he's run a little bit, especially against Chicago. He had some runs. But, uh, you know, he, he came up up against the Carolina game and had that. Uh, and, you know, it just goes to show you, I mean, it, I think it's, it's, on the receive, it's on the receivers or the, I'd say the lack of receivers uh, in terms of the, what they've done and not being able to get separate. You can't get the separation that, that Jordy Nelson got with when you have James Jones. Uh, James Jones was a revelation in the beginning of the year uh, and then catching all those touchdown passes and, and, and whatnot, but he's not going to beat you deep. He's not going to get that separation that, that a Jordy would or, uh, you know, and, and lining up as a, as a one or Devontae Adams as like the X or the big wide receiver compared to Cobb as the Y. You mentioned it. Cobb doesn't, he, he needs someone to, to compliment him. And that's not a diss on Cobb. Obviously, he's a very talented player that's used in multiple formations in that Packers team, whether it's in the slot, uh, out, out wide, or, or as a running back. You take a look at what he's done as a, as a runner, too, that he's, he's multifaceted, but it's just uh, there's no one to take that pressure off of him. And, and you've seen some players step up a little bit. I mean, they're trying to get Jeff Janis some snaps, which I know everyone is on this hype train for him, which I'm not necessarily sold on based off of just, I mean, I trust the coaches on that mark, uh, but you have also haven't had like Jared Averdares who had who hasn't been able to stay healthy. He had a great game against the Lions, uh, and and had the fact that he had what the four catches for 57 yards, and then had a big catch that you know then he gets knocked out with ribs, and he was listed as probable today on the injury report. But can he get open and find some space and give Cobb a little opening? I mean, what's you know there's just hasn't been that consistent, uh, at least in the past what five six games of that offense clicking correctly, and so uh, we'll see what they do, and maybe it's something where the Packers turn into more of a running team right now, and they, they, you know, you had Lacey, granted he had that one fumble, Scotty, he had that, you know, which obviously was a bad one, set up a Chicago Bears touchdown, and uh, kind of turned that momentum around on Thanksgiving night, but really, you, you look at the fact that, you know, what him and Starks were able to do against that Bears defense, now the Lions defense may be different, but give those guys the ball and just see if they can carry him for a while. And maybe that sets up that play. You mentioned that that play action a little bit more. Maybe it sets up uh, a deep ball, which granted they tried to Janice uh, on Thursday night didn't necessarily work out that well, but something like that. Maybe, maybe they just go back and they pound the rock, you know, take a, take a page out of Barry Alvarez and Paul Chris playbook of a, uh, obviously a pro style offense, but one that, it's dictated by the run for a while, and then that sets up that play action down the road. And, you know, maybe that helps them at least get by until uh, you see some receivers and, and you see the, you know, you see the tight ends and also Rodgers just step up. You know, maybe once they find that groove, they, I mean, they, they're just off one click, you know, they can jump back into this. Well, there's that. And then there's there's the small things, the, you know, two plays. Again, find two plays that change the game, Okay. I'll find you two. One was the, the bad snap that took them out of field goal range. Because if they kicked the field goal there, then that last drive, they're only down uh, they're, they're down a field goal. 
and they, they're looking to, to win the game on a field goal, okay? Um, the other play was the quick whistle on the defensive offsides where Cobb was wide open for probably a touchdown. And I still don't understand why the whistle blew because it wasn't an unabated to the quarterback situation. Cobb was gone. So those are the two plays. I mean, I think most games, unless it's an absolute blowout, you can always look for two plays that would have turned the game around, and any one of those two obviously would have been the difference in the game. Yeah, absolutely could have. So, um, I mean, it goes back to that where where you go back to it, and it really just goes back to, uh, you know, we've talked, I mean, it goes back to even the, the Badger season where, you know, one play makes it. There's a there's a false step, a, a, a fumble by Stave at the goal line, and, and you're looking now at the fact that the Badgers uh, could have, I mean, they they you know, they could have right now they could have beat the number three team in the nation. Or the number four now. I think you no, know, Iowa's number four. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you know, they're one they're literally one game away, uh, you know, one uh play call away. And granted they had five turnovers in that game they deserved to lose, but then again Northwestern didn't play that much better and they're one interpretation of a call away from, from beating uh, a top fifteen, top twenty Northwestern squad. Uh and, and you know, the Packers had in that final drive, four plays to get eight yards, and they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And 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 even the games they were terrible in, Carolina, terrible, but they had a chance to tie the game with a two-point conversion. Uh, Detroit didn't play well offensively but had a chance to win it at the end. They're not winning those games or tying those games at the end when they have a chance. So if they go ahead and – Really, the only game they were they had no chance in was Denver. That they just they got absolutely whooped in Denver. Every other game, even when they played poorly, they've been right there, but it's been too little, too late. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And so you go to this game. I mean, what? No, it could just be something. Obviously, we'll talk about uh, down the road. I mean, talk. We'll talk about coming up uh, next week, but. I mean, if they come through, what are the keys to beating the Lions? Obviously, like I said, the Lions aren't a slouch right now. I mean, they're playing very well. Obviously, they've changed up management. They've changed up many things. Uh, where do they go from here, Scotty? Uh, they're, still, a, a, they're still better than Detroit, even if they haven't played better. They're still better than Detroit. They still should go out and beat Detroit if they finish drives, if they... Uh, are better on third down if they have a good mix of run and pass, and if they figure if they if they do what they did basically if the defense does what it did last time, which has held them to almost nothing. I mean, they had that long kick return that they converted into points. Otherwise, if, if the defense plays like it did in Green Bay, the offense is just a little a little bit more sharper. They should win that game. Now that doesn't mean they will because I mean we said the same thing about the Bears game, but. They should beat Detroit by just being the Packers. You would think. You would hope so. Um, and uh, on that note, by the way, just not, not to change the subject real quick, Wisconsin, uh, big upset against the Syracuse Orangemen. They come into the game, and they beat the Syracuse Orangemen. Uh, you're looking at 66-58. So the uh, the Badgers come through on that end, and uh, you kind of fact that the I mean obviously after a really bad loss against the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, Jim Ross's favorite team, uh, you're, you're looking at the fact now that the uh, the you know it's a, it's a huge win I think it's a huge confidence boost for the Badgers, and uh, we'll talk more about that once uh, we get some uh, let's get the box score and we go from there. So, uh, but yeah, so. Um, Anything else? I mean, obviously, you're looking at the um, the rest of you know the NFL and anything that's been surprising you. Uh, I mean, the the Broncos well, going with Brock Osweiler more now. I mean, obviously, uh, Peyton Manning's injured. Uh, you're looking at the the fact that the Patriots lost their first game of the season to those Broncos. Uh, the Panthers obviously continuing their undefeated ways. Uh, what's been some of those things? I mean, isn't that isn't that the story? I mean, um, 
the Panthers. I mean, the fact that they have gone this this far into the season and they're the last undefeated team, I I, I think that's definitely the story. Look, look I, I take nothing away from them because they've had some, some wins. They've done really well. Um, take nothing away. Um, but I do think that those old crotchety coots in Miami will be popping champagne in a couple weeks because they're not going to go undefeated. You know, I thought New Orleans, New England had a chance. I did, but I don't. I don't think there's going to be. I don't think uh, those old Miami Dolphins are going to have to worry about their streaking beat. That said, Carolina should be the number one seed. Are they the best team in the NFC? I mean, record-wise, sure. Statistically, they're up there. Um, I still Seattle still scares me. I mean, they're the team I don't want to play in the postseason, and they've worked their way into a wild card spot right now. If the season ended today, Arizona could they be for real? And who would have thought that we'd be saying? I mean, they were both playoff teams or playoff caliber teams, but who would have said at the beginning of the year? Oh yeah, it's probably, you know, right? As we get into week thirteen, it's going to be Arizona and Carolina fighting it out for the supremacy in the NFC. And maybe right. we're talking Green Bay, Seattle, right? Dallas. We were talking Dallas because before Romo got hurt. So who would have thought? So could it still be Green Bay? Could it still be Seattle? Could they still write the ship? Because talent-wise, those teams still are more talented, right? I mean, right, absolutely. And, you know, and in the AFC, you know, Cincinnati's been great, but they have to win a playoff game first. It's still New England to me. I mean, I know Denver beat them. I, I get it. I'd still, especially if they get Edelman and Gronkowski healthy for the playoffs, I still wouldn't bet against New England, against really anybody right now. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Pittsburgh's a little bit too banged up, I think, to be that elite team with Bell being out. And Roethlisberger's been up and down. He might play this week. He might clear protocol for the concussion. But I still think it's New England against, I'm not sure yet, the NFC. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's what makes it. It'll, it'll make it. That's what will make it fun. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the whole situation with Roethlisberger is just weird. Saying, "Oh, I just have a migraine," and Thompson's like, "No, no, you're concussed. You're, 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 you're very much uh, concussed." You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, just uh, that's interesting. I mean, that's obviously players want to play, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, there's still timing. Mean, you know the Texans are still in it, um, and and gosh, I mean, you know you can't count out the Seahawks, and uh, but uh, but yeah, so no, I'm just yeah, I mean it'll be fun. I mean I'm more I haven't had a chance to actually to really sit down and really like dive too much into the NFL since you know I mean obviously I watch the games I got red zone, but I haven't had a chance to really dive into ceremony, you know the the playoff situations heading in. I mean, let me ask you. Let me ask you one question. The the Vikings, obviously, uh, how far do you think they can go? They look like a playoff team, obviously. Uh, what where do you see the Vikings going? Uh, yeah, how far do you think they could go in the playoffs? You know, I, I think they're a first round out team. Um, depending on the matchup, if they get an NFC East draw, um, they're wild card. They could win a game. But I, I think Bridgewater is still a year away from if he's going to become a finished product from being that. Peterson's been great. He's had a great year. Um, but I, 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 I don't put them in the elite status yet. I mean, they could still beat the Packers uh, in Week 17, but that was an opportunity at home to kind of flex their muscles, and they weren't able to, to do it. And uh so I, I think they're still a little bit, a little bit ways away yet. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, looking at the other contender, I mean, Carolina, you mentioned that obviously, uh, I mean, but where do you, I mean, in rest, compared to the rest of the NFC and the flaws on the rest of the teams, like, are they a Super Bowl contender? Who's that? The Carolina Panthers. I mean, obviously they have to be. Yeah, right? I mean, they, yes, yes, they have to be. I mean. Again, do I think they're the best team in the league in the NFC? No, but I think they're in the top two or three. Are they a contender? Sure. Again, I want to see what Seattle and Green Bay look like going into the playoffs. But right now, I, I, them and, and the Cardinals have been the most consistent teams. And 
You know, even though they're not doing it with flat, yeah, sure, they're they're definitely a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, with that, uh, anything else uh, you want to cover NFL wise? Uh, obviously, uh, just since we've been gone from after uh, before the Thanksgiving, James White for the played well for the Pack or for the Patriots, the former Badgers running back a couple weeks ago. Uh, Melvin Gordon still uh, hasn't really caught on that well in San Diego, which is it's disappointing. But then again, behind that offensive line, and uh, you're also competing for time with Danny Woodhead, I'm not necessarily surprised. Uh, you know that that he hasn't necessarily. Bound, you know, like had a a solid season, and he's also had time, you know trouble f- with fumbling the ball too. On top of that, uh, any other news before we uh, switch over to college? No, we can. No, I, I think we can. We can switch over to college now and talk about that for a while. Yeah, so no, I mean, look at that. Uh, and, and let's start off with the big victory uh, right now for the Badgers. If you guys haven't heard, Badgers win sixty six fifty eight. Over the Syracuse Orangemen, uh, over in uh, down in Syracuse, so it's a big road win. Uh, unexpected. Many, you know, obviously the Syracuse Orangemen were ranked coming into the game, and then you saw the, uh, I mean, Badgers held them. Uh, oh, did some nice rebounding, and you see the uh, Badgers come out the victors. And let me just try to find that real quick. Just those quick box store score. Uh, but yeah, no, the Badgers, and, and you've noticed it too. It's going to be one of those years. They're five and three right now with that win. Uh, and you had a guy like Ethan Happ, the redshirt freshman, come in, 18 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, Nigel Hayes, 15 points, uh, 12 rebounds, six assists on five of 15 shooting. And Vito Brown contributed 14 and eight. Bronson Koenig, 12 and six with an assist. And uh, you know, and that, I mean, I'll, the starters, you know, uh, provided. Literally 65 of the 66 points, so it's uh, they'll have some stuff to work on there. But you know, you look at what they did against the Syracuse Orangemen, uh, held them to 35% shooting on the evening, 29% from three-point range. That's been some of the Badgers' downfall early in the season, looking at the fact that they've given up over 40% from three-point range. Uh, but also, Syracuse really bombed at the free-throw line, uh, 11 of 20 from the field, and the Badgers out-rebounded Syracuse 51 to 25, and that's all despite you know, committing 20 turnovers. So it's a good victory. Obviously, this team's going to be uh, – I don't know if you had a chance to – have you had a, really a chance, Scotty, to, to watch? Uh, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about Marquette, too, but what have you seen out of Wisconsin and Marquette that have really made this uh, – I mean, these young teams, like what do you like about them and, and what are some things that are going to be frustrating for you? Well, obviously, uh, one of them is at the end of his career, but I like both coaches. I think they're both ball-coached teams. Um but I think you hit it on the head, young youth. Um, I think Wisconsin. I didn't think it coming into the year. I think Wisconsin still has more upside, though they have a, a meat grinder of a Big Ten schedule that they're going to have to navigate through. But I think they have the best chance to to make the NCAA tournament. Um, but not, like I said, not as a favorite, not as a, a top four seed in any region. You know, uh, Marquette. You know the Big East. I think Marquette can can finish above 500 overall. They're going to be better than they've been the last couple of years, but I still think they're a year or two away from being an NCAA tournament uh, team and, and, and from being a Big East uh, contender. You know, I, again, I think they're inconsistent. Uh, a lot of inconsistency for both teams. Like I said, Wisconsin shooting the ball, they've been very inconsistent. Um, I just think that Wisconsin, because of the style of play and because of the players that have been brought in specifically for that system, have a better chance of picking it up quicker and, and closing that gap in the learning curve, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I, where where did it go with that with the downfall? I mean, obviously I don't follow, I don't follow Marquette as much. Uh, what a surprise. I know. Well, I it's nothing against Marquette. Obviously, doing some editing duties now for Bucky's fifth quarter. It's been a uh, obviously I've had to focus that, and then along with our our sure. twin boys and our rambunctious four year old. But no, I know, uh, and obviously I'm not one of those Badger haters that uh, or the Badgers that uh, fans or you know or alum for that matter that would uh, hate on Marquette. Obviously, I have respect for both programs. Obviously, I grew up being a Marquette fan actually, uh, with uh, Jim McElvain and some of the uh, over other former. Uh, uh, Warriors before they turned into the Golden Eagles, but 
you know, what, you know, was was it just the talent roster or just getting used to, you know, Wojciechowski's, you know, you know the coach, the new coach's philosophy? Like, what's what's been the big thing in your opinion that's taken the longest for them to kind of start really adapting? Um, you kind of broke up at the very end, but I got most of that question. Um, well, I, I think whatever happened at the end of the Buzz Williams tenure that last year, I, when they were favored to do some good things and it just fell apart, um, I don't know. I still can't explain that. I don't know if they tired of him, of Buzz. I, I liked Buzz. I mean, I've I met him. I worked, talked to him. and But some people say he just kind of got – he the, the it got stale, so to speak. He the message got stale, um, so you know. So because of that, I think that that some people left, and, and there was a little bit of a purge and and whatnot. But if you look at this team now, they're they're so young. You know, Wilson's a sophomore, uh, Cohen's a sophomore. They got the freshman Allenson, and and they have the junior, the older brother, the older Allenson. But otherwise, they they have four juniors, they have one senior. And it's a, a a kid who, um, it's a kid who, who doesn't even contribute. He plays one minute a game. So they're young. So you can forgive some of it because they're young. You know, guys like Luke Fisher. He's a junior. I, I expected a little bit more out of him so far this year. But otherwise, there's there's some really good building blocks. They've had some great recruiting classes. That that, but it's about like you said, restocking to fit the system, to fit Wojciechowski system. And, and I think that's what the growing pains have been for the first year plus under that regime. But I, I really wish I knew what happened at the end of how, how it became such a dumpster fire the last year of Buzz Williams after a very successful career here and just a very disappointing last season. And then, of course, his surprise exit and onto other pasture. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously you want what I mean. Obviously you have the Milwaukee Panthers, you have the Green Bay Phoenix as well. I mean, you have some great teams too, where you have that ability. I mean, this team's gonna be, the team's gonna be. I mean, you know, there's some good basketball here in Wisconsin, so um, you hope that all those teams get back uh, into it. And uh, yeah, but no, just uh, looking back. I mean, even just what we've seen out of the Badgers games right now uh, coming up. This by the way, by the way, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I hate to... I do. I do want to give some credit. My, Milwaukee has three losses. They lost a tough one in overtime to Duquesne. They only lost by three points to Murray State. Murray State's always a team that 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 gives people trouble. And then an, an eight point loss to Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So they played a couple of tougher uh, out of conference uh, games, and they they've held their own. It, they got a couple more. Obviously, they play Wisconsin. Um, they got a date with Minnesota, a Big Ten school, not necessarily a top tier Big Ten school, but a Big Ten school. They might surprise some teams. Some, uh, they, to me, it wouldn't surprise me if they're competing for the conference title uh, going into the last couple weeks of the season. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, looking at this, uh, going to now, you're looking at let's go to some college football. Uh, before we get kind of talking about the Badger season this year, let's talk about the uh, the coaching carousel. It's that time of the year. The Badgers actually went through it, albeit I would say a week later, about a year ago this time. I was I remember it was December 10th when Gary Anderson bolted for Corvallis, Oregon. Nothing against that city, but uh, without even visiting that city, he went over there and um, and and the Badgers had to look for its third head coach in three seasons and. Uh, the Badgers, uh, I don't think we'll have to deal with that right now when they have uh, homegrown and obviously Wisconsin alum, former player, former offensive coordinator Paul Christ at the helm. Though uh, you'll see if Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator, that with the Badgers defense being first in scoring defense, third in total defense, was it fifth against the run, sixth against the pass, uh, see if they uh, if his name gets called uh, for another defensive coordinator position in college, a head coaching position somewhere, or even in the NFL as a defensive assistant. Uh, that that's, that remains to be seen. But uh, you're looking at, uh, you know, maybe it's something along those lines with Paul Chris that I can segue with. Obviously, he's a Wisconsin, former Wisconsin player. And uh, you take a look at now, uh, he's a head coach. But then you have, you know, um, you have uh, the Miami Hurricanes, uh, there's sources. I mean, ESPN's talking about this now. Mark Rick, the former Georgia head coach that was fired a day or so ago. 
now looking to uh, possibly go back home and be an alum. Uh, look at the fact that he could be going going home uh, and, and become a head coach there. And then you've also heard Kirby Smart's name. Uh, also, I believe he's a George, former Georgia player, uh, going back to be a Bulldogs head coach and possibly bringing, uh, you know, uh, they're talking about Will Muschamp, the, the Auburn defensive coordinator, former Florida head coach, uh, with him as the defensive coordinator out there. Uh, what, did, what have you, and then you've been hearing about Al Golden, the former Miami coach, with Rutgers, Maryland's uh, hired Michigan's defensive coordinator. Uh, any, and then even USC just hired from within instead of going for a big name coach, they, they, they keep uh, their, their interim coach. Uh, your thoughts so far, just through the first week, it's been so much, so many news. I don't think I've read half of the news. Uh, your thoughts so far on, on the coaching carousel in college football? Well, it's it's interesting to see guys like Les Miles, for example, um, you know, uh, on the hot seat. But then again, it's the SEC, and, you know, it's win or go home, you know. Um, but I'm not surprised. I mean, again, you know, sometimes coaches lose their team. Sometimes the alum loses faith. Sometimes the boosters lose faith. I mean, you know, it's, it's far more political than just, well, hey, how'd they do on the field? How'd this, how'd that? But uh, I was surprised by, by both Rick and Miles uh, in the word that they're probably going to be like, oh, but then again, at the same time, you know, like we said, it, it's, a, it's a different world in the SEC than it is in even the ACC and Pac-12 and Big, Big Ten. I mean, it's, it's a different world down there. It's just a... It's a a whole different animal, and, and their expectations are always a little bit more amped up. Absolutely, and that's, uh, I mean, you look at that, and it's, um, it, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it, I mean, it's like, obviously the Texas football, with just down in the south, football is huge down there. Uh, you look at the fact that, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously even with, like, Charlie Strong in his first couple of seasons, he's gone, he had to go through a lot uh, down there through boosters and I don't know LSU. That whole situation was just crazy. Uh, I didn't realize how. You know, it's just like you know they went on a three-game losing streak, and then everyone wanted him gone. Uh, which uh, according to some Big Ten schools, if they had just gone through a three-game losing streak, but won the rest, they'd probably give him like the keys to the city and be head coach for life with no uh, no penalties for any type of bad things he did. But uh, but not yeah, but. That situation was odd. Uh, you're gonna even I mean Minnesota's was interesting where they took the interim tag off of of uh, Tracy Clay's, uh, who's now getting a three year deal. Illinois was really interesting. Bill Cubitt's only getting a two year extension. I mean I don't know about you, isn't it just odd when you see the fact that you they get obviously you would like to get a coach a five at least a five year deal that that shows commitment for especially for the incoming recruiting class coming in saying. Yeah, if you're going to be here four or five years, this coach has a contract there. There's security, or at least a web, you know, some false sense of security because obviously they can be fired at any moment if they wanted to be, uh, regardless of buyout or not. But I mean, it was, I guess within the Big Ten, I mean, I'm, I'm, I find it interesting that they, you know, that they, they gave those head coaches that short of a leash uh, and, and went from there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, uh. It, 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 but again, you know, every sport nowadays, you know, with with media and all these different outlets, and, and I mean, everything seems like it's a, a 365, 24 uh, 7, you know, news cycle. I mean, there's really no off season anymore. Even during the season, things that would normally be handled in the off season now seem to, to, to come to light. But I'll tell you what, um, Speaking of, uh, a little off the topic, but about the Big Ten, we talked about the SEC and the expectations. I think overall this has been a great year for Big Ten football and a little bit of a rebound year. Some big um, non-conference wins, some high rankings in the polls, some some uh, high-profile coaches like Harbaugh and now Urban Meyer a couple of years ago coming in. I guess, though, the key is going to be what their one-loss record is in bowl games, especially in the important bowls, the, the bowls played you know, from January 30th on. I think they have a chance, the Big Ten has a chance to cement itself as re, as a rebounding conference and a power conference once again. Yeah, no, it, you know, you look at the fact that uh, before the Badgers dropped out of the polls, I, actually I think when they, they jumped back into the AP poll, uh, but you had six teams in the top 25. Uh, and, it, you know, you had 
four, five, six, uh, which actually turned out to be what the college playoff was with Iowa, Michigan State, and Ohio State, respectively. Uh, there, but yeah, you have, you know, out of the top six teams in the nation, three are in the Big Ten. Obviously, they're they're you know they're four, five, six, but still. Harbaugh has Michigan turned around now, and I think you and I have spoken to it where it's okay to have the powerhouse in Michigan back again. They, the Big Ten needs Michigan to be a powerhouse again uh, to to help uh, you know to help its national standing. You need obviously Ohio State to still remain big, um, but you're also you know it's uh, Northwestern had the big win early on against Stanford, uh, and you know there there are some good wins, and, and you know Iowa you know beat. Uh, obviously, Iowa State, which fired its head coach Paul Rhodes, which now is uh, Toledo, uh, former Toledo's head coach Matt Campbell's over heading over there. But uh, they beat you know, a decent uh, squad in Iowa State. But then they beat Pat Narduzzi and, and Pitt as, at home uh, in overtime. And so, you know, there's some. It's it's a good sign for the Big Ten. And even if you, you know, I know you don't like this too, Scotty, but look at the recruiting rankings. You know, there's some. I mean, there's some talent in the Big Ten. Obviously, Ohio State's among the best. Michigan State's there. Michigan with Harbaugh getting their name up there. They're getting these kids, and and the thing is, though, I know we talk about it, and you see some of the kids fall to the wayside, the four or five star kids. But you see what Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh can get out of four or five star kids. Uh, the same thing with Mark D'Antonio. Uh, the Big Ten, you know, it's been resurgent, and we'll see what comes of it down the road. We'll see what Penn State and James Franklin can do. I'm not necessarily been impressed with the past two seasons with. Franklin is the Penn State head coach, but even looking at what Chris has done uh, with uh, with the fact that Corey Clement's been out for the majority of the season with a sports hernia injury, uh, and and then him uh, they haven't fully disclosed what's gonna what why Clement sat against Minnesota though due to that being cited twice for disorderly conduct for a November eighth incident is uh, seems like it's a pretty accurate uh, assumption to to make there. But, uh, you know, like, you have coaches that can mold talent, uh, whether it's nationally recruited or even as in Wisconsin's case, you have walk-ons that, you know, contributing at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and linebacker, uh, you know, that they, they can mold those players and, and make them successful in this, uh, you know, in college football. And so it, I think it's, 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 it's a good thing. The Badgers will need to step up huge. Especially when it comes to the fact that next season you have LSU at Lambeau Field to start the season, you have the the simple fact that you have a back to back to back schedule with Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Two of the three of those games are on the road, uh, and you know with Ohio State at home, it's going to be a meat grinder of a season. And if I mean if, back, if the Badgers can go nine and three in that season, I think that's a, a win. But, I mean, the Big Ten's getting tougher, and, and it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Badgers respond, uh, especially with some of the talent, and maybe Clement does come back now. Maybe, depending on if Beagle comes back, I mean, they'll still have a solid defense, too. Uh, of it, you know, there's a, there's a lot of parts that are more promising than maybe what people had thought before. So, it, I, like I said, with the talent that's, that's in the Big Ten and in the coaching, uh, obviously, is a huge factor. Uh, there's there's a bright spot. This is this is this isn't just a, like a two year thing in my opinion. This is going to be uh, not necessarily saying it's a, an SEC type thing where six straight national champions are are from that conference, but it's it's a good swelling to see uh, the conference playing well and, and reasserting itself after maybe some years of uh, maybe I. Can I say mediocrity, Scotty, or do I say just a down year, a down you know down trend for a little bit and now they're back up and uh obviously you have three teams in contention for a college football playoff berth yeah it, 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 it's nice to see because you know you get a little sick of hearing about the sec out of town so exactly exactly so uh, and obviously there's tons of recruiting stuff we'll get ben work on the show coming up on uh next week uh our buddy over at badger nation i do some guest spots for him for writing uh, for the Badger Nation uh, for football, which I won't get to until bowl game season. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of recruiting stuff going on, too, obviously. And the big thing, and uh, we talk about, too, Scotty, you're looking at the fact that it's poaching season. So all these coaching changes, you're looking at the fact that, uh, you know, coaches are going after those that have verbally committed, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but, you know, looking at this year's team real quick, and obviously we got about 10, well, probably less than 10 minutes left in the, in the show. 
look at this 2015 Wisconsin Badgers, nine and three. Obviously, two heartbreaking losses. They could very well be 11 and one, and like we mentioned before, going into at least contention for a New Year's Six bowl. Uh, look, looking at maybe you know uh, at least an Outback Bowl or a Citrus Bowl, which was the former or the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl, which is was formerly the Capital One Bowl. Uh, all signs point to San Diego. When you look at the Holiday Bowl, which could be against the Pac-12 squad, which I think many fans actually are considering going out there now because it's not Florida and it's not just another SEC team uh, like you know, like, like you've seen uh, in years past. But, uh, you know, two heartbreaking losses, obviously. Uh, and let me ask, all right, I'll ask you right off the bat. Do you think that was a catch? Jazz PV's touch, that non-catch, the incompletion that uh, was initially ruled a touchdown. Do you think that PV... Did he think he had possession before he went down, or do you feel that? I mean, do you think they interpreted the rule right, or do you feel like maybe the interpretation? Oh, it was, was no, 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 it was it was a bad, yeah, it was terrible. Um, um, that was a catch, and I I don't know, like it, that was a catch, and I, I didn't get to see it when it was happening live. I was in the hospital visiting my uncle, and I had the updates on my phone at two different times. I was notified that a touchdown was scored. I ended up, so I was DVRing the game. I ended up having to go rewatch it, right? And I'm like, what's going on? Like, why are they, why are there points? And then the points come off, and then there's points. And, um, and then I got home, and I, I, I heard it. Then I heard the post game in the car, and I went home and I watched it. And I had the luxury of watching it a couple different times and realized, yeah, yeah that is definitely, um, it's definitely a catch. So. Yeah, but I mean, and even with that, though, I mean, we, you know, and, uh, with with that, you're looking at the fact that I mean, when you have five turnovers and turnovers in the game, two fumbles or you know, three fumbles, uh, four by there, two by the offense, uh, and then also the two interceptions by Sabi, they're just, you know, you're not supposed to win the game that way. I mean, the defense kept it in, and maybe that's you know, look at this as a whole with this with this season. The the fact this defense has been so good, and yeah, their strength of schedule hasn't been that great. Uh, but you take a look at what they did against Iowa, where they, you know, 10 to 6, where Joe Schobert with his eight tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, two fumble, you know, two fumble recoveries and a partridge in a pear tree, uh, decides to take over the game there. Uh, but you know, really, this defense uh, will start with the bright spots. I mean, Schobert really, really shined. Obviously, he's the Buckets Fitzgerald linebacker of the year, or to the Big Ten's best linebacker, you know, linebacker. Uh, and uh, but you've seen players like Michael Caputo, Vince Beagle shine. Uh, is there one thing that stands out from from this defense uh, that really that, you know either impresses you or like even that going into next year might concern with, with some of the departures of those seniors? No, I I like the depth overall too. I, I defensively, I think the defense is fine. I'm interested to see going forward, you know, how everything's going to shake down with the uh, shake down with the quarterback situation. Um, you know, because that's always seems to be, other than Russell Wilson, we've had decent, gritty, winning quarterbacks. I get it, but we've had one exceptional star in in the Barry Alvarez era. Let's be honest. You know, we've had one star, and it was Russell Wilson. Um, the way this offensive line is made up, they don't seem like the ground and pound grinders on uh, running the ball like they like they've been in years past. I, I think it's going to be a matter of Finding, um, finding a, a quarterback that can, you know, that can be exceptional, that can win you ball games, not just, not just be a game manager. You, you know what I mean? And that seems to be what, what, the quarterbacks who have even the ones who've been successful have been game managers. Um, so, those are the things I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see addressed now. I mean, will they? Have, will there be another Russell Wilson? No. Uh, Maybe not, but we we just we got to have some playmakers adapted. Yeah, I, and I think it's you look at the fact. Obviously, in Stavi, I mean Joel Stavi has played. Uh, I think is I mean he's improved greatly. Obviously, his numbers over the past few games have been not been as solid as you would like. Uh, going up against a really good defense in Northwestern, and then not being dependent upon after that. I mean, and the bat, the Badgers had a great, obviously, you know, 199 yards on the ground in the first half alone on 35 carries. Uh, kind of returned to that traditional pro style power, physical offense, uh, running up, running offense that you saw out of years past out of Chris and the gang. 
I welcome Sign back, but uh, you look at the fact that they had to start their seventh offensive line combination for starters on Saturday, and you had the fact that, I mean, this might have been its most athletic, and now they did it because Walker Williams, the redshirt junior, was out, uh, and he's normally played right guard, but you slid Bo Benchwall uh, from Grafton, Grafton native, now uh, in at right guard, you Maxwell in at right tackle, who he started against Iowa, so there's some experience. It turned into actually a really impressive line that, I mean, and obviously they Minnesota was wise enough that they stopped at, it was about, you know, 257 yards total on the afternoon, but that first half, I mean, they dominated the game, and, and with that defense checking in, it's, uh, well, we'll see what they do against the bowl game. Obviously, with Dan Volts out next year, uh, the, the junior center, he'll be a senior next year. Uh, you'll you'll see Michael Dieter move out back from center to left guard. But uh, there's some good – I mean, it kind of reminds me, a lot of people have pointed back to the 1997 season, Scotty, where you had Chris McIntosh, who was a, turned into was a four-year starter. He was, uh, you know, a four-year starter and then, you know, two-time uh, captain in the 98-99 the season. But you had a building blocks with Casey Robach, Bill Ferrario, Dave Costa, Aaron Gibson. You had these players that, you know, they just started – that was their first year starting. There's some growing pains. And then 98-99, they, they started to run wild. They started to you know, really be dominant on that offensive line. So I'm intrigued really to see how that line responds. And, and uh, they are losing Tyler Merritt's next year. But uh, I know that according to a couple of uh, media reports, uh, Joe Rudolph's really liked Ryan Ramchek, who, if I'm not mistaken, is a D3 transfer. Uh, I think he's from Stevens Point, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, it, like you mentioned, you want to see how, how they develop next year uh, with playmakers. But, if Clement comes back, there's one. Uh, there's one uh, back that comes back. It's an obvious playmaker. Uh, you lose Erickson, but you've seen Robert Realwright make some plays at wide receiver. Uh, Troy Fumagalli gets one more year of seasoning uh, as a tight end threat. Jazz Peavy, the Kenosha native, has come on strong of late this last half of the season. And, you know, depending on who's quarterback, it could be you're looking at right now a three-man race, even though it seems like one's not necessarily being considered. But, uh, Bart Houston, Alex Hornibrook, who's a southpaw, who will be a redshirt freshman, but then also DJ Gillins, who is playing wide receiver this season. I, I don't know. I mean, he could be back at wide receiver, but I mean, uh, hopefully he gets a chance at quarterback. I think he's talented enough to be a dual threat, uh, but also, uh, you know, really uh, be a good passer. Uh, I don't know. I I think they'll solve for that. I, I think is though. I mean, if they going against next year's schedule. I think there'll be some growing pain still. I think it will come from a quarterbacking position or maybe a skill set position when you have like some really good defenses and some and some impressive offenses that they'll have to account for. Yeah, I, I, I hope I hope that's the case. So, um, you know, and and I think that you you know Paul Chris will continue to put his stamp on this program, and I, I think unlike Anderson, and we didn't know this about Anderson at the time either, in fairness, but I don't think he's looking for the next job. I think he's here for the long haul. He's going to be able to plant his roots, uh, put his stamp on this team, and you know. I, so I think from that standpoint, uh, they're they're in a little bit better hands. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's one thing that maybe. And, you know, just going back to the Gary Henderson hire, and we have about 20 seconds left for our live stream. Well, you guys will hear us coming up a little later. Uh, I don't know if you guys download the podcast, but, you know, it, I'd say with, with with the way Anderson was, maybe he didn't under, necessarily understand, you know, Wisconsin football or, or what people think Wisconsin football is. I thought what he tried to do in terms of making the team a little bit more uh, athletic, speed, you know, faster, uh, a little more aggressive that way, but uh, ultimately, and also with the uh, academic standards or the requirements are much stingier here uh, at, at the university compared to other schools. I don't know. I, I think it's uh, you're looking at the fact that this team, you know, uh, maybe wasn't necessarily the best hire, but I mean, it seemed like that for for you know the way he spoke, and, and I mean, he was always great to us, but. Now you have a guy like Paul Christ who you know, obviously has his roots in the state, and I, I think big things are coming. Uh, and we'll, we'll obviously it'll take maybe I think a couple of years for that to really grow. But this team, I mean, the way that the coaching stuff that they put together, they can stick together. They got a ways to go. They got a ways to go. I mean, they have a ways to go to, to end it, but they have a chance to really, really make something of, of this uh, of the program still. So, 
But yeah, um, yeah. Oh. yeah I, I I agree one hundred percent with you there, um, and I do look forward to. I think what's going to be a very good future. Very, but again, this year's a little bit frustrating. Again, the record's fine. When it's all said and done, if you weren't a fan or if you weren't somebody who followed the team like we follow it, you look at the, you look at it ten years from ago. Oh, they were nine and three. But again, I think they left they left some wins. They left some gold on the table, so to speak. Yeah, I can't blame you for that. Yeah, because I mean, I think I'm not saying they'd have a chance against Michigan State, but I think they'd have a you know, I thought yeah, against. Uh, I would say. Well, I think that, but, but here, Jake, here's where I disagree, though. I think they would have a chance against Michigan State because of the defense. I think the defense would keep that game close. That maybe a turnover. I still would have picked Michigan State to win. Don't get me wrong, but I think that defense can be an equalizer, letting a team hang around long enough that it could have made it an interesting game. I can't disagree with you there. I, I, I just. I don't know if you know that offense, and obviously having Clement back, uh, if he would have came back for this game, would have been you know would have been huge. Uh, that granted, if, if Clement would have been healthy this entire year, I, I think Wisconsin beats Iowa, and I think they definitely beat Northwestern. Uh, granted, coulda, woulda, shoulda. That's hypothetical. Uh, that's just my opinion. Because um, you, you saw even when the offense line wasn't blocking great against Rutgers, he was patient enough to to, to bust through the holes and make some pretty big gains out of. Maybe what uh, the other running backs maybe would have had two or three yards for a gain uh, on certain plays, but but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's just I think, uh, and obviously you know the biggest things I think for for the Badgers now is just, uh, for, especially for the seniors. I've talked to a lot of former Badgers just for our for the walk-on book that I've I've been putting together, and uh, you know one of them mentioned like they never during that '98 '99 season they didn't want to put any of the seniors out on a losing note to lose their last game. And uh you know, now they, they go on they'll probably go to San Diego and uh you know you guys like Schobert and Caputo and Tanner McAvoy who really never got much of the offensive footing but but you know is, is I think he's tied for I think he's tied for fifth in the nation in interceptions right now. Uh you know those guys Astavi Stavi could be the all time winningest quarterback uh in, in Badgers history if he uh leads the Badgers to victory against uh whoever the Pac twelve school is. And so we'll uh I mean this the seniors I mean they've been gritty. I think they've kind of personified Wisconsin football just in the past with the way they've played. But uh but yeah, I mean yeah it, I mean literally I think they're two plays away, Scotty, from from us previewing Michigan State Wisconsin, uh kind of going back to the rematch from the first ever Big Ten championship game. Uh it you know, it could it very well could have been that. Yeah, absolutely. So, no Badger football for a little while, but next time we meet, we will talk about the Bulls because the championship games will be played, the Bulls will be set. Hopefully, we'll get together next week. If we do, we'll talk about a Packer victory as well. We'll see. Um, maybe we'll get into some Bucks. We haven't had a chance to talk. I feel like we've slighted them, and it's partially because we haven't been able to do shows weekly like we'd like to, so we've been kind of jam-packed with Badger and and Packer news, but I think uh, obviously some of that's going to lighten up with the football season coming to an end as well. So, um, looking forward to uh, to touching base on all those things. Absolutely, and you guys just uh, stay tuned with us. We'll like to we'll talk. Hopefully, we'll be able to like to we'll talk some bowl talk Packers, but then we'll also uh, talk some baseball. Obviously, we need a chance to talk about David Price and the big deal that Boston gave him in the past twenty four yep. hours. We talk about uh, some moves that the Brewers have made. I'll talk about the Bucks. We'll try to get one of our Bucks. Yeah, the Brewers spots. are apparently going to try to play with uh, 25 shortstops and second baseman. I think hey, that's the plan. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. I like it. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see how that counts. We'll see how they do over there. So, uh, on that note, uh, guys, follow us on Twitter at B5Q at Kielbasa Kings WI. Uh, Scott Wisniewski 2 at Jake Coco B5Q. And they will come back sometime next week. Uh, hopefully with my computer working a little bit better so uh, people can hear me more. But thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Doza Bacenia, uh, we'll see you guys soon. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs> Thank you.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.